Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And we're off. Um, this is exciting. Uh, Monday after the Super Bowl should be a national holiday. I think everyone can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, we are really grateful to be joined by Sarah Singh. Um, fantastic drummer, has had a, an amazing career. And um, Maddie, Super Bowl. Yeah. We don't need to go too deep into it. And I don't, and Sarah is a Philadelphia native. So we we really want to be yeah. Um, yeah, you know the game was great. It was it was imminently watchable. There was a whole lot of action. I think everybody's kind of fixated on that last play, which honestly, uh, they were going to kick a field goal anyway, right? Was that really right. deciding the outcome of the game? Probably not. Um, you know, feeling bad for John. Really wanted to see him get that one, but silver uh. lining, as you know, I am one of these types. That team's not going anywhere. They've got picks. They've got cap space. They're going to be able to bounce right back. Them and the Niners are, you know, you can never predict these things, but the, it stands to reason they'll be one of the top two favorites um, going into next year. So to me, looking back at it, like great game, fun to watch. Um, everything about it was solid. They were a year early to me. The Eagles should not have been there yet. So they're going to still have an opportunity to yep. come back and, and recoup. So for me, I look at it if I'm and, and Jalen Hurts said all the right things post game, you know, like this is a learning experience, like that attitude and the ability to just sort of like compartmentalize and process things that don't go your way and then find a way to adapt and move forward is what's going to serve that team well. So they'll be back. Good game, fun watch, um, decent outcome. But yeah, so unfortunately, we couldn't get it done for John. I know. Um, so mutual friend, uh, <laughs> that I, that I reached out to, um, Sarah has been in the music industry for, it, it seems like the last 20 years. Um, yeah. and, but most importantly, uh, played, we talked about it backstage in the green room, um, green room. Okay. <laughs> played recorder with me with, uh, Miss Bove in second grade at Valley Forge elementary school. Um, but and then your musical careers diverged quite, quite, uh, actually, quite aggressively. I, I I'm, I'm pretty sure we had our <laughs> acting debut together as well in the trial of Alice in Wonderland. Mike, wow. was it you? you were in that, you were a card, if I remember correctly. I, I was the Mad Hatter. Are you the Mad Hatter? Right, shoot, how could it's right. How could I guess you were a card? It's funny because the cards were for like the people that they were like, yeah, like we don't know what to do with these people. And they made them cards. You know what I'm talking about? You remember that? I do. Cards? Yep. They were like the guards. Yeah, you were the Mad Hatter, dude. I totally remember. Big role for me. Big John role. John was, was John the Cheshire? Oh, no, no, wait. Wait, yeah. Was John the Cheshire cat? I don't, I think he might have been. I, I think, think he, he was. Been. Yeah, I was I, a, cat, a caterpillar. So if Kay um, Burning is, is listening... I think she um 
she she you know helped out oh my people God, in specific did. roles. <laughs> I remember that. I feel like I feel like Mrs. Bruning even helped me because I did a version of I did A E I O U, which is uh-huh. you know the Caterpillar song, and then I yes. did like a I did like a Saturday Night Fever dance move. And I'm pretty sure Kay was in the room along with someone else. And they thought it was like the funniest thing ever. Cause you know, <laughs> they love Travolta who doesn't love Travolta. He was, I love Travolta he was a, too, but yeah, he made an appearance last night in a Super Bowl commercial. I saw oh, him. That's there. right. He did. And actually yeah. funny story. Travolta was in the play with us. I'm kidding. That, that was <laughs> at this point between Sorry. you two, these, 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 all, a of these joke. all of these links into <laughs> your life, I'm still continually just catching up, but yeah, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm on the podcast <laughs> with you two tonight. <laughs> So, um, so yeah. you know, we're, we're talking a little bit like you, when did, when did you actually, you, you've been a professional drummer. Like I'd, I'd love for you to kind of guide some of our guests through and our listeners through yeah. like your career and sure. how you got into, you know, a, a lifestyle and, and a profession in music and, and where you got started and, and what you're up to now. Sure. Um, absolutely. So I, I, I kind of started, um, I think I probably started actually playing drums in Valley Forge Elementary where we went and I started, um, just kind of like on, you know, symphonic band, that kind of thing. And then as I sort of progressed, I started taking, um, you know, drum set lessons and stuff like that. And, um, you know, as it kind of went on, um, in around middle school, I started a band with, I don't know if you, do you, do you remember Jason Blinn? Uh, so I know you were in the band, like based yeah. out of Brooklyn, Harper Blinn. Yes, exactly. I saw so that Jay, too. I came across that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Jay um, was, Jay went to Valley Forge Middle for a bit, and then he went to a private school on outside of Philadelphia. But we started, we basically just started jamming together and we were super into fish. We were super jam bandy. And we um we we started that band and and a few people that he was going to high school with at his private school started playing with us and we kind of had like a cross like we 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 basically just started doing really well um in high school cuz i had our like conestoga public school hang and then he had this private school hang and we would do these shows and like 500 kids would come and i think people were kind of shocked. And the thing is like, we were really good because Jay is like, and still is one of my closest friends here and is an incredible songwriter and producer here in LA. And, and we sometimes still work together on stuff, but um, we, we were just, we were, we were good for our age. And I think that was like kind yeah. of very in, encouraging to me. And, um, and I just, you know, fell in love with, um, you know, I think like, as Mike can probably attest to, or anyone who's grown up in any type of suburbia outside of like a major city, um, you know, it's like, you're kind of like looking for your identity in high school always. And Mm -hmm. at least in the late nineties, it was like in Conestoga, it was like, there were a lot of drugs, there's a lot of weed. um, And then there was just like a lot of like jock culture. And especially as like an Indian kid, I, you know, like a skinny little Indian kid, I kind of was just like, trying to find my place and for a bit that place was like you know smoking bongs after school and like you know (laughs) never been very athletic and I kind of like realized at a certain point that like I couldn't really like maintain that and do anything and also simultaneously I had this incredible I started taking lessons from this incredible 
um, teacher named Bill Marconi. And he just was, he started getting me on like a very sort of traditional, like jazz type of education. And I was just falling in love with like basically everything he was feeding me. I was just like, just devouring it. Like, you know, it was my first exposure to like Miles Davis and John Coltrane and like, yeah. um, Tower of Power and like lots of jazz and funk yeah. and fusion and, and, um, all, of, and also all of these amazing drum books and all these things that I was like learning how to do. And so basically I, I decided that I wanted to like do it in college and I like convinced my dad. Um, I looked at a few jazz programs and, um, and I picked out, uh, one of them, I went to the university of Miami, the frost school of music, which kind of has like a, you know, fairly, uh, um, long tradition with just putting out like really great drummers and, 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 you know, all types of, uh, stuff in the music industry. And, and, um, so I, I went there and, uh, my, my parents, you know, it, it took a little bit to get my dad to sort of sign off on sending his, uh, his Indian child to music school instead of like med school or, yeah. you know, the path becoming a lawyer, but you know, he, they kind of saw that I was into it and, and he spoke with, um, some of the professors there who were, who had kind of heard me play a bit and they were like, no, you know, he can, he can do it, you know? Um, so yeah, so I went there and uh, while I was there, actually, I kind of like, it, it was incredible. I learned so much, but I also like, so started getting a little bit on it, honestly scared of, of doing it for a living. And my last few semesters there, I like kind of also studied music business. They've got like a big music industry program. And I was just kind of like, how am I going to really do this? And do I want to be a teacher? Do I want to, and I thought, you know, maybe I'll, I'll play, but I'll also work on in work in the industry. And, and, um, and so like, but, but the thing is that that was in 2004 and, and kind of the music industry just sort it's of, completely different i yeah, definitely want to that was like the year i mean those were the years where it really just everything changed i mean because like yeah. it, it, it was napster and it was yeah. all that yeah yep. and so, so it was even uh, yeah oh go ahead yeah yeah no i i wanted to touch on like you mentioned your dad and, and growing up is first generation indian american yeah. um and yeah um you wrote a really sweet post as I was doing my research for the show. I saw about your dad, like came to America with $20 in a turban. Um, yeah. And so like, how, how has that impacted your career? And like, have you felt like, Oh my gosh, I have this obligation, you know, to, to represent um, my heritage or, or my family. Um, has that impacted anything? Have you been thinking about that over the years? I mean, dude, for sure. You know, it's always, it's, it's like, I, I think one thing that has been tricky about like choosing a profession like this has been, and, and I will say like for anyone who's in the arts kind of knows, like you don't even really choose it. Like I've tried yeah. to get out of this profession so many times. And it's <laughs> like, every time I do, it's like something gets dropped into my lap and like this city just like pulls me back into some which Something. is probably a byproduct yeah. of the good work that you've done leading up to that, Thanks. right? Like people are finding you, right? Otherwise they I would, do. they would just find somebody else. So that's probably a testament to that. I would imagine. Thank you. I mean, that's really sweet. I, I thank you. I, I, I mean, it's, you know, I think everyone does wind up where they're meant, where they're meant to go. And, and, mm -hmm. you know, being first generation, it is it, like, it's, I think 
for for immigrant parents like they always just want their um you know they always want their kid to like go farther than they did cuz yeah. and and mm-hmm. for many that that is measured in money and so like when your child picks a career that seems like it won't really go further than especially cuz like you know my dad did like you know we were upper middle class like he did really well so it's like that's a yeah. tall order anyway yeah. for me um and you know, I think like, I think he, I mean, my parents love what I do at this point. Like they come to shows and they, you know, <laughs> that's I awesome. Them. We went that's to go cool. see my dear friend was opening for Harry Styles, um, last week ago. And Harry's a big fan of hers. And I took my mom to the show and we were backstage and we were like right up front watching Harry. And I mean, you it was never get very, tired of those experiences. It's incredible. I, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so incredible. It's, it's not that I don't think it's incredible. I do, but it's like seeing it through my parents' eyes and how like awesome it is for them. It's, it's exciting, you know? And, um, and I bring my dad, you know, backstage to catering and he takes like way too much food and (laughs) you gotta chill out. You know, but it's great. He's a dad. That's what you should do. But, um, but yeah, so it's, so, you know, that was kind of a weird thing being first generation, but you know, Mike, as far as your question, like I do, being Indian, like I, I, I absolutely like anytime I go on stage with anybody I work with, like I definitely um, think about the fact that I hope like anyone, you know, I'm in the back and I'm a drummer and drummers are are often, you know, Might inspire not, somebody though. Not yeah, exactly. And I've I've I have gotten some messages here and there from people who who will find me who who just are like excited to see someone who looks like them on stage. And you know, my That's brother cool. and I, like we had. We always talk about it like when No Doubt got really big, their bass yeah. player was Indian, Tony, yeah. Tony Connell. And it was like so exciting for my brother and I, because like we didn't um, you know, I was texting today with a a real a a good friend of mine um who was Sarah McLaughlin's drummer for a long time and and he's um, you know, he's a he's a bit older than me. And I grew up listening to him and loving him and loving the fact that there was like another Indian guy playing drums and pop music. And um, you know, it's like it's a it's a powerful thing. It does. And so, you know, I like hopefully I can just, you know, carry that on for some other um little Indian girl or boy or who wants to play drums for somebody or something you know that's cool that's cool like it's you're paying it forward right and i think yeah i'm the more i hear you say that and the more i hear stories like this it's very easy to be myopic with your upbringing and think like these are the these are the outcomes right these are the jobs laid out for me these are the places that i can live and i think you know we're getting a little bit more away from that which is nice but it's cool because you never know right you don't you really don't know who you're making that impact on and i think it's kind of like a you know, if you put that energy out and you put your best foot forward with whatever you do, it's, you don't have to think about inspiring somebody. Like they may just catch, come across you, especially now, right? Like I'm imagining yeah. with social media, your reach totally. is so much larger, right? Like, yeah. do you have, how often does that happen? Do you have people come to you that say like, Hey, I wasn't thinking of pursuing this, but like you've inspired me to do so. Is that something that happens? You know, it hasn't, I mean, like I, I, you know, I'm not like a, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't know that I'm like, I, I, I I'm, I, well, I know that I'm not like a, a big enough, uh, well-known enough commodity to really be doing that. Um, but I think like it, and, and it hasn't nothing as overt as, I mean, one thing you said, that's really true. Like, and, and Mike can absolutely attest to this because he's, he's, you know, for a while grown up where I grew up, it's like, you know, it's, it's definitely like, it's hard 
to like step outside of some of the like traditional jobs. Cause it's not like yeah. my, I have a niece, um, you know, and she's here in LA and my brother's daughter. And it's like, she's exposed to like, she's just, she lives in LA. So she's naturally exposed to so much. And then if she comes over my place, you know, she's just like looking around and I have like recording equipment and like keyboards yeah. and drums. And she's just, it's just like, you know, that's it. But for where we grew up in the nineties and like suburbia, like I wasn't, I didn't even really know like what was really possible. And now like, like, you know, you said, Matt, like with social media, it's like there, it is so easy to find out what's popular, but you know, I think what, what has happened here and they're like on the, on that Taylor Swift tour, um, where I was with one of the openers, like I did a few times have people, find me on Instagram and also just yeah. find me in the crowd when I was walking around, just being like so excited that they weren't expecting to go to the Taylor Swift tour and, and like see like an Indian guy on stage, yeah. you know, it's it. And, you know, the artist actually that I was playing with, um, her name is Charlie XCX and she's a, yep. she's an incredible artist and songwriter. And, um, she's actually half Indian, which is just really cool. That's really cool. I think some That's people cool. know, but, um, but yeah, so it's, you know, yeah. I, I, I think it'll change and I think people are seeing it more and more and, um, and hopefully like more like people, like I think for Indian people and Asian people, like often, like they're just not ever like given the permission to like be anything other than like a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. And those are great professions to be. Sure. Like, but you're not required to do it. But yeah, if you, if you're like, you know, um, but it'll change. It'll you know. Hopefully that'll change. Yeah, so I've got a. I've got a. Sorry, Gibby. I have a spinoff question. Go that for it. It's sort of related to this, so I want to ask it. So you mentioned you know you're out in the crowd and you're kind of just enjoying the show. You're done, right? So now you're watching the headliner. Yeah. And you're kind of becoming a fan, and people bump into you and they say, you know, I found you on Instagram. I thought you were great, et cetera. Tonight, awesome. Thinking about like corporate America, for instance, progression's very linear. You yeah. start as an individual yeah. contributor, you move into management, then you go into middle management, then upper management, executive, et cetera. Yeah. I've always wondered about the music industry. So it's a two-part question. One of them is what's your main motivation to continue to do what you do? Because I know you mentioned earlier, like I tried to get out of this a few times. So yeah. I can imagine that is a lot of back and forth. Like what drives you? And is it does that lack of linear progression matter? Or is it just such a different industry that it really doesn't equate? I mean, dude, that's a really good question. I, I and it, I, I've literally, my dad is, you know, were is and has been in the corporate field, you know, his whole life. And whenever we talk about career stuff, um, you know, which we do often, it's, it's like, it, it, the linear thing is something I've touched on him with so many times because it's like I and I have so many, you know, all my friends here pretty much work in music, and and we've talked about the fact that you can be on like a huge gig and a huge tour. And then thinking that like, oh, I've made it like every tour is going to be like this and then it ends and then there's just like nothing waiting for you. And if there is, it's something that's like way like less pay and less like comfort. Yeah. And they're just it's it isn't like, oh, now I've made it. It's like, no, like that's not how the entertainment industry works at all. Oh. You know, so you're so right. And it and it's and that's hard. And, and you I mean, you really have to know that going into it. And, you know, as far as like what motivates me, I you know, I've, I've, I've always been hesitant to like make a full-time living being, um, being just a musician. And I think like when I tried to look for industry jobs in like 2005, I, I almost actually ended up working for like a really great music publishing company, but it was just like, things were, 
changing and collapsing and I didn't end up getting the job and um and but what I did but was but what was waiting for me was like I I was living in New York at the time and I did some like gigs on Bleecker Street and I just immediately mm-hmm. was approached by people in the venue who were like hey like you know I was like 22 but they were like hey you have like a you've got it you've got a thing like you can really work and you can really start doing this here and and so I just I I did just kind of go with that but there there's been Various moments, um, you know, one thing I've been doing over this last year is I've been doing a lot more composing and mm-hmm. production. I've been doing, I have solo music that I release. And through that, I started working with a trailer company doing like, you know, kind of cinematic electronic genres and stuff like that. So I'm I'm trying to to diversify because it is- Yeah, stacking skills. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's like, I do keep getting, I do keep getting some cool- um, touring stuff and it's like I'm not even looking for it but it just like yeah. kind of comes and and then it's like and so then I you know and, and so I I go with it you know I mean I I, I try to read the tea leaves as as much as I can and and I yeah. think you know a lot of people do that in life and um, you know so yeah. so yeah so my motivation I mean I at the end of the day like I it's it like you know it sounds cheesy but I do love music I do love working with people and I do, I, I love people and I, and I love playing and I, and I like, um, you know, when, when people really, and you guys know, it's, I think it's the same in any profession when someone like values and appreciates the thing that you do and you're able to like kind of share a skill that you have to contribute to something else it's a pretty incredible feeling um and and my motivation also is always just good music like if something touches yep. my heart um and also can pay me then that's an amazing thing yeah it's authentic at that point right i mean that's not yeah. unlike gibby and i here we've got no less than 20 people listening to our podcast we're probably inspiring <laughs> it's up them. 20 people well <laughs> that 20 could be too but you know that's but first of all it's so rad that you guys are doing this you're so good at it i just want to throw say that again Thank and you. um and and secondly um you know things grow so fast these days as you guys know can yeah. just over it, like yeah it, you know and and Sarah, we were talking like backstage about, you know, we've had John on the podcast and one of the sweetest things about <laughs> this is connecting with Love people. John. And Maddie has had his friend who's been over in Thailand for the last 20 years. And, oh, wow. and like, I am so passionate about like talking to him. I'm like, oh my gosh. And be sure to listen to a show and hold on to your hat for a minute. Um, because he is, it's, it's He's wild. He's wild. Yeah. Brian, so. Wow. Um, but, but it is one of like the, the great things that's come out of this is reconnecting with people. And, you know, we knew each other when we were eight years old, um, and haven't spoken in probably 30 years, but I know I, I'm, that's an aside. Um, (laughs) I did want to touch on your passion for music and you said you were like just a musician, uh, don't sell yourself short. You're a tremendous musician and you should be really proud of what you're doing. Um, as I know you are, but, um, you were talking a lot, a little bit about jazz. Like, is that Mm -hmm. one of your main influences? Is that where you like found some of, oh my gosh, this is my passion for music. I I've been listening to Coltrane, Miles Davis, et cetera. Yeah, dude. I mean, totally. I think, you know, I, I, like a lot of people, like a, a lot of musicians who go to school for it, when you, when you go to school for music, you're often, 
your choices are like jazz or classical. You know, there's okay. a couple of colleges where like, you know, Berkeley is like more pop slanted and USC has a thing now that they're doing here in LA. It's more pop slanted. And Miami was like, had a pop thing, but it was still pretty much like a very traditional, traditionally like jazz oriented education. And so like, that was kind of like what I was trained in. Although I think I was always interested in pop music. And when I was in Miami, I was doing gigs with a friend of mine who was in the classical department, but she was writing songs that were more like Fiona Apple and, um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, just song based music, which is, which was, so I was sort of doing jazz in school, but when I would go do gigs, I was doing, you know, pop music ultimately. And, and, and I think the jazz world, like, so I, I still practice jazz and it's, it still informs the, like what jazz gives you specifically, um, I think on any instrument, but specifically as a drummer, is it gives you touch coordination, feel, freedom. T- freedom. Yeah. It, it frees your limbs up, it teaches you how to listen and be responsive, not just to sort of, um, not just like a, you know, a bulldozer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, totally. And so it, it, it gives you a lot of skill and, and I don't actively play jazz in town, but I do, it, it does inform still heavily kind of how I approach the instrument. And it, you know, it's something that I think has like, I've noticed has gotten me work specifically with like a lot of the songwriters I've worked with. Cause I think to play songwriter music you need a certain degree of like sensitivity and um mm-hmm. and so you know that that was that's kind of how jazz has impacted me i still love it i still go to see it when i can i still practice it i still listen to it and transcribe it um but you know i my 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 training is more in that but um but i i don't actively play it out as much you know and also partly i mean just to be totally honest like jazz in large part basically lives in schools in, at this point. You yeah. Know? Um, it, it, it has become like academia music, except for like a very select few, but I mean, it's a lot easier to make a living and, you know, pop music pays my rent. Um, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. and I and also you love, love to make pop. it. I do. Yeah. I love to make it. I love to play it. It's, it's, you know, a pop music has also gotten, it's always been so amazing and sophisticated, but I think pop music is, is at, um, a pretty incredible place right now with, with, you know, I don't know what it is about the connotation, but it's funny because it's that whole like masculinity thing. You'll hear someone say like, I like pop music and it's like, everybody loves pop music, but everybody. not everybody wants to admit that they love know. pop music, I which know. is too I, bad. I, it is too bad. I mean, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it, it's changing a bit. I've noticed because like, there's so many adventurous, yeah. um, there's there's so many adventurous pop artists and so and now like you know hip hop is pop and yep. so like hip hop production has made its way into pop music and so like that production is you know it's it's edgier and so like pop music ha- is like kind of sexier and cooler mm-hmm. now and it's a little bit darker and um so you know it's it's i i think I think people are more comfortable with it, but I think you're right. People are still kind of like, there is like, they're afraid. They're like, oh, it's, you know, like Ariana (laughs) Grande is like my guilty pleasure. It's like, dude, it's not my, it's just my pleasure. Like, yeah, yeah. Records are amazing. It's okay to admit that it's okay. It's fine. No one's going to take care. No. And in LA, it's not, I think, because in LA is such a, everyone here is like either a producer, songwriter, or player, whatever. And it's like those records all have, 
they all have the best production, the best mixing engineers, yep. the best songwriting. So everyone here, it's like, hey, you can't mess with that. It's like done yeah. at a very high level, you know. Yeah. So Sarah Bareilles is not a guilty pleasure of mine. It is no. an absolute pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> to, so cool, to everything. Man. And I, I found out, like, oh my gosh, Sarah's been playing like seven songs on the Blessed Unrest album, and I'm going nuts. And so tell me a little bit like about you've you've got an amazing resume. Like you're I know you're with Moon and Now. Um you yeah. were just on like three late night shows in the last, you know, six months or nine months, um, playing drums and uh you were on the Ingrid Michelson tour. Um you mentioned Taylor Swift as well and Joji and um as well as Harper Blinn. Like tell me a little bit about Oh my gosh, are you getting starstruck at all by by any of this? <laughs> I um I well I mean it 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 can I will say when I met when I I did so I did the last um so the last time Taylor went out on the rep tour I I was on that for you know what that was like 8 months and I was with Charlie XCX like I was saying before and then um so so Taylor did kind of she was around and she was she, you know, she would come and hang out in the room. She seems somewhat like accessible. And yeah. She she's very accessible. She's actually uh Mike, she's from Reading, um, which is Oh right no way. I didn't even yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, and I I I I saw her, I was with her father a lot on the tour because he just kind of likes to like hang out and he rides a little like Segway or whatever around the venue. Sounds awesome. I'm in. He's he's very sweet. And he's we talked a lot about Philly and because you know, they're like um that's where they were before they moved to Nashville. When I did meet her i was a little starstruck i mean but it that goes away very quickly because i did yeah. meet um i did meet paul uh, mccartney when i was living in new york and that was i was a bit starstruck that's I, it's larger funny. than life it was crazy because i played the um oh gosh i i'm i promise i'm not trying to name drop but i know you're, you're not, not. You do, you've did. earned it you've earned the ability to tell <laughs> these stories well i i um the other uh last week i um I so I was playing with Muna and then I was playing with another artist I play with here called Mink and both coincidentally got booked for this event in town that Stella Stella McCartney threw who's Paul's mm -hmm. daughter and she has a new collaboration with Adidas and and it yep. ended up being like it was at the Jim Henson Studios and it, I I I invited a friend cuz I was like hey like you know um my my friend Leah who I'm playing with like her um, her girlfriend is kind of like a pretty famous model and she's like bringing a bunch of her friends. And I was like, it might be like kind of fun and you might enjoy the people watching. But what I didn't know was that like, like Leonardo DiCaprio and like <laughs> Tyler. I mean, if anyone's curious, um, any of you 20 or 2000, who knows how many by the, by the time, but yeah. it's curious if you Google the Stella McCartney Adidas party, you'll, you'll, just take a look at the list and you're, and I, I mean, you know, Dave Grohl and Paul. So Paul was there in Ringo and like John Mayer. And these guys are all like ha hanging out there. And it, but it was funny because the, the, the first time I played for Paul, I was living in New York and at that, so this party, I didn't get to meet Paul, but um, the last one, the first one I did, I it was a really small party in the Hamptons. And it was, there was like maybe 20 people there. And it was like, Lauren Michaels and Chevy Chase and Jack Nicholson and Chevy sat in because he plays piano and, yep. and sat in with me and the bass player. And, um, but Paul, you know, on my way out, I, I, I was loading my drums out and I just kept walking by Paul and I was like, okay, I gotta like say something to him. So I yeah, tapped him on the shoulder. The 
take a shot. I turn, he turned around. Of course, Lauren Michaels is like watching the whole thing and giving me a very strange, I, he's just, Lauren Michaels has just kind of a funny face yeah. on him permanently, but, um, I do love SNL shout out SNL, but Paul was so sweet and he like rubbed my cheek and he was like, he was amazing. I was starstruck when he turned around. Cause I was like, Oh my God, it's a beetle right yeah. in front of me. Yeah. But then he was just so sweet. So it's, you know, I mean, I, I, I do get when I, when I saw Leo the other night, I, I mean, I didn't recognize him at first cause he had a hat on and it was like a yeah. small little courtyard and my, my friends who I was there with were like, Oh my God, like there's Leo. And I was like, Whoa. Like, and, th- and these was... people too, like they're so used to that other yeah. side of that equation, right? Like they are the larger than life superstars. So they're probably like yeah. well-equipped to read the energy of somebody coming to them and be like, Hey, you know, you have to do this yes. so many times you get such good practice yeah. with it. I would imagine you figure yes. it out. Totally. And I, you know, and I, I generally don't, you know, go up and, and bother these, you know, at these parties, they're so small and it's kind of like, if you're there, like, you know, you're, 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 it's assumed that you won't act like a total you're not gonna yeah moron. yeah you gotta act like be like if there. i were invited yeah <laughs> well yep. i mean dude but mike honestly <laughs> i it was really funny because like so i was after we after so i played with mink and then i played with muna and and i after we were done i was just like standing in the courtyard and um and i mean muna is a very i mean they're amazing i could talk about them for incredible hours, but it's but they're very special and and in la like they're they're people just love them and so they get invite a lot of they get invited to a lot of really cool things and and um and i mean even still everybody was very geeked there was no one that was not geeked out at this party let me say that like everybody was there but when or everybody was geeked out rather so but when i was hanging afterwards like my friend and i we kept looking like so Liv tyler was across the way and she was talking to orlando bloom and we were just like (laughs) lord of the rings geeking out we're like oh my god like um, you know, uh, Arwen, is that her name in the movie? We were I think like, Arwen, so. Arwen's talking to Legolas, you know, and like, yeah. we were laughing, like, <laughs> like I kept looking at Liv Tyler. To pinch and, yourself, yeah. But, but, I, but we kept making eye contact because, like, I just kept looking over there and I was telling my friend, I was like, <laughs> oh no, dude. I was like, I locked eyes with her like four fucking times. And, <laughs> and we were no, like, okay, can. what are we going to do? And then, and then, so then like her and like Bloom and whoever else, like they start like kind of walking towards us because we were in a pathway and I was like, oh my God, like they're coming over here. So like, I kind of like moved out of the way and she's like walking towards me and and she just kind of like is coming up in the front and I kind of move, but she just totally keys in on me and she just goes, hello. And I kind of like move out of the way and she walks by and I was like, oh my God, like, okay, was that a hello? Like, like <laughs> you've been staring at me. Like all of this. I yeah. did. And he, my friends were like, bro, I think she was just being really sweet. It's okay. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure she knows I was geeking. And yeah. I think she was kind of acknowledging <laughs> and be, she was ad- adorable. Shout out Liv Tyler. So sweet. Um, but yeah, really? I do get starstruck. And yes, her whole I mean, life too. Her especially, right? Like yes. she's been in that world since Dude, she was born. Crazy. I mean, yeah. like those Aerosmith videos. Um, yeah, you're living on the edge, Sarah. I was thinking about it. It's so funny. But um. But no, it was so, um, yes. So, so Starstruck to answer your question. Yes. You know, it, it, it definitely, um, it definitely can happen, but it's funny. Cause when you are like around, you know, and anyone who's, who's gotten to spend time with anyone who's like, you know, sort of fairly well known, like you do kind of very quickly, you're like, oh, it's, you know, it's like, they're just like, you know, a normal peeing and pooping person. Yeah. You know, Everyone's hard. 
one yeah. leg in their pants at a time. Well, you can't totally. prove that, Jimmy. I have we struggle <laughs> with pants, so you can't really claim that. But it's true. It's true. When you when you strip that veneer away, also too. And you, actually, I'm wondering. You'd have more experience in this, obviously, than I. When you strip away the veneer of their famousness, yeah, and then you think about just treating them who they want to be treated, which is like a human being. I think it probably changes you, the person who's engaging with them in the way that you go about it. And I think you may get more out of it because it's more authentic. That's my guess. I don't know, but I'm wondering if that's the experience you've had. I think so. I mean, I think, you know, I think it's like, you know, I think people always are, they have, you know, they'll always feel more comfortable when, when they, when they feel like you're relating to them like a normal, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, and, and, and that's, that's, you know, totally just a a human nature thing. And, and like the, I mean, the first time I really remember being super geeked, I actually, so like to bring it back to Sarah, like when I met Sarah, I was a, a big fan of Sarah's and I had just started hanging out in LA a lot with my old band Harper Blinn. And like one of our first trips out here, we had been living in Brooklyn. We're like, you know, we, I had, played at that party in the Hamptons where I met Paul and like, you know, there were some cool things that happened, but when I came to LA, it was just, there's just so much more of that here. And and when I went to the coffee shop down the street from my house, Intelligentsia, which is just like a big hang, I was staying with my friend and it just like coincidentally, her roommate was like, was dating one of the strokes. And so like when I, she was just like, Hey, you you might see like Albert Hammond hanging around the house. And I was like, what you know and she's like yeah bro like welcome to LA and I was like (laughs) so like I was very geek then we went to coffee and so like her roommate was there with Albert and then Fab rolls up and then sitting at the table near us was Flea from the Chili Peppers because he owned the music shop right next to the coffee shop and um and by the way, again, I'm not name dropping because I don't no 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 these are great stories personally you can't tell these stories about this I was just so geeked out. And she just like, she grabbed my arm under the table because like Flea and Fab were like hugging each other and Albert's there. And I was just like, oh, uh, I'm just going to like eat my, my like hard boiled egg. <laughs> what she, and- <laughs> yeah, she grabs my, she just grabbed my arm. And she just leaned over and she whispered in my ear and she was just like, isn't this crazy? And I was like, dude, it is. Thank you for saying that. Cause you guys all seem like you're perfectly okay with this. And like, I am this is, this is nuts, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I was pretty geeked in them. But when, when my band, when we were playing here, we were playing a venue here and a mutual friend of ours had been doing a bunch of shows with Sarah and she played Sarah, our band and, and Sarah just, you know, really fell in love with our band and, and she came to a show and, and my, my friend kind of pulled me over and she was, or actually I was on my way out and Sarah was just kind of the she is the sweetest most adorable person and she was just i believe that yeah like making her trying to make herself small like just the sweetest person and genuinely doing those things genuinely and i was like dude you're amazing i mean it it, you know we were all super geeks because like you know she's amazing and she's just the sweetest and and um you know that was that was kind of that was how i met her and then we the friend group the scene that i ended up getting into here was like a scene that she was sort of in and we just became really, um, really good friends. And and when it was time to make her record, the dude who had produced our band, um, we connected her with him and he ended up doing the blessed unrest. And and when they were, when it was time to bring a drummer on, they, they, you know, brought me on, um, kind of organically. And, and that was, that was, that was how that happened. And, and, you know, and she's just, 
she's amazing. I haven't seen her in a bit or, or spoken to her in a bit, but um, she's incredible, man. She's cool. definitely like a lifelong homie. That's cool. She's welcome on the podcast if she ever yeah. wants. Yeah, we'll have, we're willing to have her. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> um, what was a bigger thrill catching a 15 yard out? Um, in fourth grade for Mike Gibson at quarterback at oh recess. I couldn't get Mike Gibson to throw me the damn ball. <laughs> mistake, Gibby. That's a mistake. I was, a was, scr- I was so a hard to get. Is Gibby, if was you, like... Gibby, if you had thrown him the ball, maybe something would have changed for you and you could have been in a band too, which we both know is what you really <laughs> want to be doing. I, I, I see a guitar back there. Plug me in. Yeah, we'll um, plug you in. I see yeah. that guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever we go on golf trips, you'll laugh at this. Um, at least not whenever, but it's happened once. And I'm assuming it'll continue to happen is one night on this trip where everybody's out having dinner and we go out for drinks or whatever. We end up at some sort of a bar where Gibby's found his way behind the stage and he's just playing an acoustic guitar alongside people who are very much plugged into instruments. So it's so cute, but he's in it. He's in it and he's there. So maybe I'll grab some footage of it when it happens here soon and I'll send it to you. That's so sweet. I love that. Please do. Um, I don't think any of the patrons at the bar thought it was sweet. <laughs> we don't know. Um, no, but um, I wanted to get into, you just signed on, or it sounds like you have a new partnership with, with Getch. Um, yes, yes. And, you know, one of the premier drum producers, I'd love to hear a little bit about like how that originates and, And then I want to get into a few of, you know, your influences and who are the drummers bands that you're listening to also. So sorry, three part question, but we'll get into Getch first. Um, So, so that, um, so yeah, they're, they make amazing instruments. They are, I think they're, they are definitely, I I don't think they're the oldest, but they're, one of the oldest drum manufacturers in the world and all like so i mean art blakey and elvin jones and some of the greatest um jazz legends ever have been playing gretch all the way to now um really incredible artists are playing their drums but yeah i mean it it i actually started playing their drums um the first gretch kit i played was when i started working with muna um, and I had never played a Gretsch kit before and it it's, I've actually never really been a huge gearhead, but I played those drums and it's like, if anyone, whether you're a drummer or not, if you ever get a chance to sit behind a Gretsch kit, like do it and just, just take a stick and hit a drum. And, and cause the, 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 what it gives back to you is incredible. Like you can kind of feel it in your hands. It's really amazing. And, and it just was kind of the sound that I was, I was looking for. And I was with Muna, we were opening for an artist named Phoebe Bridgers, who's like a really wonderful yep. songwriter Fantastic. who's doing really well. Um, so she, her drummer um, was like, was playing Gretchen was like, you should play these drums. And I was playing Yamaha at the time. And so I, I ended up actually buying a Gretsch kit that later, a few months later, and I just fell in love with it. And I reached out to the company kind of on a whim. It's really hard to get drum endorsements for anyone who doesn't yeah. know um that's especially, a concentrated pool yeah it's tough and especially nowadays um because everyone's got supply chain issues like any yep. other industry um it's all like messed up so um i just reached out to the dude and 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 um i kind of didn't hear anything back for a bit and then i i happened to be talking to um a friend of mine who plays drums with billy eilish and um and i he was like, Oh yeah. You know, I was talking to the dude and he, and he actually mentioned that you like reached out and he was saying he wanted to hit you back. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know. So we kind of corresponded a bit more. And then, um, 
I got connected with a, another a, amazing drummer, a big hero of mine um, named Jason McGurr, who plays drums in Death Cab for Cutie, who's mm-hmm. an incredible band. And Jason and I just broke out for a while um, at, on the phone, but then he's a he's a big Gretsch artist, and he was like, "Oh, I'll um, I'll put in a word for you. I'm going to be talking to them today." And he did, and then I went to the Death Cab show, and I um, was hanging out backstage um and the rep from Gretsch happened to be there along with some other like influential drummers in town and so very organically they were like oh like a few of them were like who knew me were like oh you should sign Sarab like he's he was very sweet and um and he actually on his own was like hey I I've you know whatever been hearing a bit about you and this and that and and I'm sorry I I feel very awkward no but that I, I'm not, I was just gonna say no, you did again. Back to what I said earlier, the common thread here is you did all of the work leading up to that point <laughs> to push that energy out, and it repaid yeah. you. It came back to you. That's really what I'm Thank hearing. Thank you. I mean, it was you know. I think what what helped was um, so with Muna, um, Muna, we're we're actually opening a bunch of the dates on this next Taylor Swift tour again, which is kind of funny to be. Um, I think I'm the only repeat opener, uh, as far as yeah. I know. Um, as far as I know, I'll have to double check with, with, with her pops, but as far as I know, I'm the only repeat visitor and I've been messaging with a bunch of the uh, dudes in her band about it. And, and, um, it's kind of, it's very cute that I'm going back for round two, I guess, but, um, but yeah, uh, so I mentioned that too. And obviously that tour has become like a very crazy hot ticket and and you know everyone probably knows all the the nonsense that's gone on with it but um but i think that having that um in the you know in the in in, uh in my back pocket and stuff and and i had been working with a guy named joji who has um he's kind of like the biggest artist that people have never heard of it's like if you look him up you're like oh my god this guy's massive but also you could like never have heard of him at the same time um, which is just kind of how the music industry is now. But I yeah. think those those two things really helped me. And then, you know, recommendations, um, just like any other business, I guess. Yeah. But um, so that's how Gretsch happened. And I love their drums. Um, yeah. And then that was the first question. The second question was other drummers I like. Yeah. 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 I'd love to hear about, yeah. Like, yeah. you know. Um, well, I mean, I definitely love the jazz greats like Elvin Jones and Tony Williams, who are like two sort of giants who both um, Elvin famously played with John Coltrane and um, Tony Williams famously played with Miles Davis. And, and then they had long careers after those two artists um, after they were working with those two artists. But then um, the drummer in a band called tower of power, which is like a legendary funk band from the Bay area um, was hugely influential on me. Um, And then like the more, modern guys um matt chamberlain who's a, a very yep. famous studio legend who's played with yeah um uh fiona apple and actually played on a lot of the early sarah stuff um and then sean pelton who's a drummer in the snl band and he was around new york when i was living in new york and um keith carlock who's another guy who's around new york when i was there who plays with steely dan and um oh, cool yeah, those are those Love are my it. favorites. Um, and then I, you know, I listen to a lot of um, I listen to a lot of electronic music actually, because because that's like a big passion of mine too. And that stuff I wouldn't say overtly influences me as a drummer, but um, no, you know, I'm 
Yeah. And I'm just, you know, just as a, as a producer and a composer, I'm a big, you know, Skrillex fan and a big um, virtual riot fan. And I love hip hop um, Metro Boomin and Mike will made it any, yep. any things they produce. And um, yeah. People don't have, love all that music for no reason. Like, yeah. Oh dude. It, I mean, it's brilliantly put together as we were talking about all, you know, even yeah. the whole Max Martin pop camp in LA, you know, um, and then was there a third part, Mike? I, I lost track. I don't, yeah, sorry. sorry. I'm a <laughs> rambler. I'm rambling. No, I told you beforehand, this is all about rambling. I was, okay. I can pop in. Actually, this is I'm giving away the segue, but Gibby, I'm teeing you up for a real nice segue follow up okay. question. Um, it's cliche, but your favorite and least favorite parts of the travel that comes from touring. Cause I know like, uh, right. Like and my other thing too would be, a good question. I kind of feel like people that tour end up loving to travel. Is that yeah. the wrong perception? And what are, where yeah. do you, what do you cherish and what parts of it are you kind of like, I'm going to get through this and I don't love it. Um, well, dude, Matt, that's a really good question. Um, I, cause I talk about this all the time with my mom, um, every time I'm about to go on a tour and I'm like, I don't want to go, or I'm like, I do <laughs> want to go. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Australia in two weeks with Muna to do a bunch of stuff with Lord. Um, cool. shout out Lord. She's awesome. Um, but, um, it, I, I think like, for example, so with Australia, I'm, so that's a two week trip, which is fairly short as far as a tour goes. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, I think like that is a place that is, is an incredible, have you guys ever been in Australia? No, no. It's a, it's amazing. And I, I went there once on the, on the last Taylor tour. Um, and it's amazing. I mean, I was in Melbourne, Sydney, Perth, Adelaide and Brisbane. And it's just incredible when you're in a place like that, like Japan also amazing. Like you go there and it's just like, it's just so different. So yeah. different. Um, like you feel like you're on another planet. It like, you know, it looks yeah, like, yeah. like Blade Runner, like a science fiction. It's crazy. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so it's like, I love, I do love that as like, so what I, what I love about the travel is, is kind of like that. Like, I think anyone who's traveled knows like when you, when you travel to a place, you are, um, you're forced to be very intensely present because yeah. you're out of your elements. So it's like, there's an incredible sense of here-ness, now-ness, that comes about that often gets lost when you're at home in your own house and in your groove. Yeah. And so that's an incredible. That feeling of intense, um, just being here-ness is amazing. Um, and obviously getting like to that. see these other parts of the world and being paid to do it is always really nice. But, um, right. but what I don't like about it is I'm definitely a homebody and I like yeah. being comfortable and I like being in my own studio and, um, so, and, you know, and, and with touring specifically, like sometimes being on stage is kind of nerve wracking. Like when I, um, you know, like I did Lollapalooza this past year for the first time and I did it with Muna and it was like, we had a whole new set of music and, um, we'd only done like one show on it. And I just like looked out, you know, and I just, yeah, just looked. I mean, dude, it's crazy. Why? I, so I did Coachella with Joji and I'd never done Coachella before and sorry i just burped i hope you couldn't hear that um you're fine. i'd never done um i hadn't done coachella before and like we had like a 7 p.m slot like right before doja cat and it was like crazy and i just looked out i don't know there was like eighty thousand people or something like that they said <laughs> yeah. i don't know i mean i just all i could see and with coachella it's so iconic like you see the ferris wheel yeah. and the palm trees and i was just like 
I my hands were shaking. I was like, oh, yeah, my it God. became real in that moment, even though you know what real. you know what you're doing. Dude, You've it done was this crazy. your whole life. Yeah. But it's still just it was terrifying. And then, you know, I got out there and it just kind of happened. And then I like zombie walked myself off stage. <laughs> yeah. And I was yeah. Like, hey, I was going to say, how happened? much of that set, for instance, do you like, can you remember beginning to end that entire I, thing? Or is it a little I blurry? Will, I can actually remember the first Coachella week really well because we we had there was kind of a thing that happened and it you know if you were paying attention to Joji you would have heard about it but we actually like stopped our set in the middle because he had like a panic attack in the middle oh, and wow. um and so it was like became kind of a thing and they so I remember that very well because we just had to the you know poor dude went off stage and then they just told us to like stay on stage in our in ears or like stay up there and we were like uh okay so we just sat out there for like five full minutes in front of like seventy thousand people oh my gosh oh, man that's and the most stressful like, thing i've heard so far it that was would crazy and then he came back out like the champ he is and finished the set um so you know i do remember really well and then the next week because coachella's always two weekends the next weekend we did the full set and he killed it um and you know i just remember my brother came for that and i remember like how triumphant feeling it was but um i mean most of them i remember that the first couple of taylor shows that i did I, those those are football stadiums and they were terrifying yeah. and i did kind of black out a little bit for that i think now i try to be like um with muna we were opening up for casey musgraves last year for about a cool. month and she, and those were like we did madison square garden and staples center and i had never done those and um a few of those early on again i had like a little bit of shell shock because it's just like whoa it's yeah like you get lost there's nothing that can prepare you for that no but it's like but by by the time we were doing like staple center and stuff i was able to like kind of drink it in and be a little more Present. okay with it um you know and i think every time i we go out i get a little better with it but you know but to, to your original question sometimes that's tough with the touring like it's just the, the up and down of like pre-show you know and then of course like on tour like it, you know for anyone who doesn't know like you're you like you sleep on a bus but then when you have to go poo poo and yeah. poo -poo, <laughs> pee -pee, or well pee pee you can do number one you can do on the bus number two you cannot do on the bus frowned so upon gotta, yeah frowned upon i mean you can't do it you'll clog up the like the dave everyone probably knows about the dave matthews band boston you guys remember that yeah they actually were, like, I do and they, the bus driver dumped Cause he had, they had a way of two. So I won't gross everybody out here, but you're not supposed to do number two on the bus. So it's like stuff like that. And then you shower in the venue. So you have to like, some of the venue bathrooms are like kind of gross and you have to wear these flip flops. And it's like, people are like, Oh man, it's like glamorous. Like being a tourist. It's like, uh, yeah, dude. But like 10 minutes ago, I would like had my laundry in, there was no hot water in this gross shower. And I had to poop in like, you know, the bathroom of your nightmares. So it's, uh, it's like a door. Um, think. Yeah. It, it does like sound dorm. very dorm like to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, so those aspects are like, all you know, but, but ultimately it's, it's rad and getting yeah. to like go to these other places is cool um but you know when you've been doing it for a while um it just you know you want to go home it's like yeah every, everyone after a while i think starts feeling that yeah so um, it's funny you mentioned the number two aspect because yeah. one of my memories was like a field day at valley forge elementary um uh -oh. when you brought up and we talked about your dad for a second, but you're like, oh, my dad has the worst parts. And this is when you're 10 years old. Do you remember like, me so saying outside. that? Did I say that to you? You said that. To Mike, me. that's so funny because he does have the he to this day, the dude farts like all the damn time. <laughs> I like that about him. It's like I mean. bro, like it's like 
I'm like, bro, you haven't even like eaten lunch yet. Like, what are you even, what's like, what is that? What is, what is the basis? What's causing? Yeah. What's, what's what's the foundation of this uh, expulsion? So funny, Mike. I'm going to tell my parents that I told you that they're going to crack up. Well, yeah, man, he's a crazy harder. They'll have to subscribe um, (laughs) to the show. That's behind the scenes. They must. We need it. We need all the help but, we can get. <laughs> um, so oh, yeah. I did have uh, one more for you. So while yeah. you're touring, we ask every single guest this. Yep. Um, you know, you've got, for whatever reason, you are the one filling up the van um, with gas yeah. or someone else is, but you've got to run into the gas station. Yeah. Um, I've done that before. What is your go-to desert island snack that you're bringing back like oh i'm not gonna have dinner for three more hours um, oh my gosh wow that's a tough question yeah i it's mean it's gotta well, be something you'd get inside of like a it, it's gotta a be gas, more of yeah. a gas station and not like a cvs or something like that yeah or not like a whole foods item. yeah yeah, yeah. because like i'm definitely vegan and i'm definitely a typical bougie vegan californian <laughs> but i will say what i do love that that you can get every anywhere are the uh kettle chips yes kettle chips and probably i i would go either jalapeno or something oh. i'm gonna go jalapeno yeah, those are my two favorite flavors. I buy the jalapeno with They're amazing. Fail. They're and so those are good. available in gas stations, right? Yep. Oh, what oh, yeah. an answer. What an answer. Inbounds. My answer has always <laughs> been Cool Ranch Doritos, but quite honestly, if I had to yeah. make a switch, it would be for the jalapeno kettle chips. They're so good. They're so good. And if you're on a desert island, like, see, the well, I can't eat Cool Ranch Dorito anyway. The problem for me with the Dorito is like, it's well, they're both processed, but but a Dorito, like yeah. a, at least a kettle, it's like a potato. Like you can kind of feel the potato in it. There's some yep. real food there. Yeah, there's yeah. some real food there. Yeah. Um, I have some upstairs, yeah. and I'm probably going to go eat them. Go, oh yeah, I, I would. Yeah. I you know what? I have some here. I would eat them. I it's. I just had a root canal a couple of weeks ago. Oh man, no good. Side of my face. Hashtag forty. Um, <laughs> but, um, you got to grind those up into a paste, and that's how you're going to get your I kettle. Know. Yeah. Yes. That's a great answer. First one we've had of that, but I've missed it. This is a great answer. I love them so much. Thank you. There is so much meat left on the bone. Um, yeah. We're going to have to do back. another one of these. I, oh, I yeah. Sorry, I rambled. I, I just, that's what no. I do. Like, oh, my gosh. No. I, I love the story. No, it's the best. Okay. No, this is awesome. And and honestly, like, people can't see it, but, like, your humility also, like, I know, yep. you know, um, and with everything you've accomplished and, and I'm, you know, I hope, you oh, know, thanks, that Mike. people are cheering for you from afar and oh, thank um, you. it's, you know, thanks, and, and for you to take the time um, to talk to us and, and share some of the stories is, is really, really special. And um, oh. I was really mad that the Eagles couldn't pull it out because I John perfect. was telling me, he's like, it would have been amazing. A big, big Eagles fan. I was I'm like, wearing I know. my sweatshirt. I know. Keep wearing it. I am going to keep wearing it. First of all, it's very comfortable. Um, but <laughs> secondly, it's key. But you, dude, it's such a bummer. I know. But like you guys said, you know, or Matt, you said it's it, it's too. Uh, they weren't even supposed to necessarily be there yeah. at this point. So it's found um, money at that point. It's pretty good experience. Yeah. They're going to learn something from it. Hopefully. They'll be back next year. That's yeah. the hope. That's the hope. You know, football is unpredictable, but, but they're they're better. I, if I were to watch that game and yeah. didn't know the score, I would be like the Eagles won. They just like looked like they should have won. I don't think I'm. I was I was right. saying that they they were more cohesive unit 
on offense, yeah. but they just didn't stop anybody and they didn't get yeah. one sack and you just, you can't impact you. Yeah. It's, it's not even like high level, but you have to be able to throw the other team, which is obviously the best team next to you at that yeah. point off their game a little bit. And they just didn't do it enough. You have to make it Mahomes a little bit more uncomfortable because he's just so good. It just didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. But we'll get him. Sarah, thank you. Um, yes. Where can our listeners find you? Um, uh, yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks for coming. And man. shout out Mike and Matt. You guys are awesome. Dope hosts. And you really did do your research and I'm honored to be on your podcast. Okay. So people can find me. Uh, I'm on Instagram. It's at Sarab Singh, S-A-R-A-B-S-I-N-G-H. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, I'm on Twitter. It's the same handle. I don't really tweet, but I do post on Instagram stuff. Um, check, check out all the videos. Um, it's all good. The, the, they're, they're fantastic. Like you can get lost. The view out, like you were watching. talking about. I was too, like, like, I'm talking to him today. Yeah. Aww, the the pictures you take or the nice. videos you take where it's like your perspective. I love that. Cause I've seen the oh. other side. I watch you on stage. Yeah. I love the other side of it to kind of like try to see if I can imagine what that might feel like. So those are cool. Aww. I love that experience. Yeah. Thanks guys. I'm actually going to try to do something on the Taylor tour where I have some GoPros behind me and then hopefully um, get audio from our um, front of house engineer of like an actual show mix to marry with the That's thing. Cool. Cause those stadiums look pretty amazing from, yeah. from stage. Um, so yeah. Um, if you follow me, keep a lookout. <laughs> we can't wait yeah. we can't wait good luck stay yep. safe have we'll fun on, on tour um let us know when you're up in new england um we will look will. out for you and i will what's yeah. the closest city to you guys i mean i'm so, just outside of boston gibby's okay. not that far uh, i'll hit you up for uh boston show uh we'll we'll get in sweet and then i'll hit both you guys up. we'll do it we'll Love do a live it. podcast oh yeah <laughs> we'll record the whole time whatever it takes we don't care we don't know what we're doing oh, right yeah. or wrong so we can't lose I love it. I think you're doing <laughs> I think you're doing it all right just for the record. So Thanks man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's awesome. been a pleasure. Yep. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.